Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. So our first reading will be Psalm 116. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I'll fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I'll sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I'll fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Our second reading today is from 1 John 1, 2, 2, 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thanks, Kim. That's great. Um, Good to see you all. Yeah, sorry, I introduced myself before. I'm Simon, or Jacko, uh, the pastor here, our lead elder um, among elders here uh, at North Adelaide. Uh, We are... um, 
starting just for the next couple of weeks, a little series thinking through uh, who we are, I guess, um, what we're on about here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, if you've been here for the well over two and a half years that City Light Church, North Adelaide's been in existence, you'll probably get a good bit of a feel for who we are and what we're doing. Um, if you're new, you might sort of go, I don't know what these guys are on about. I think they're on about Jesus Christ, but you know, like exactly what that means, I'm not really sure. Um, we're also, um, I stepped into the role as lead pastor just recently, beginning of June. And uh, with that, I guess we're, we've got an opportunity to think about kind of what's next for us as a church uh, here at City Light in North Adelaide to think together as a community, we get some clarity on who we are and what are our opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus, uh, to serve the community around us. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to have just a, a couple of weeks thinking about vision. Uh, thinking about where are we going, what are we on about. Um, and my little line there is, you know, we're responsible, I think, as God's people to, to implement a vision, but in all of that, it's God who builds his church. Um, that's what we're on about. We, we, we live in this area, we, we, we meet in this area, we have a mission zone, and we want to reach people with the good news of Jesus. We want to grow to know Jesus better ourselves. And so we implement a vision, but God builds his church. So tonight, really, we're just going to think a little bit about what it means to be a community of Jesus Christ, and then next week, put a bit of meat onto those bones. Exactly what could it look like for us as a church, as a family here in North Adelaide? Um, if you were to draw a ring, um, a 10-minute sort of radius around our site here, you know, 10-minute drive radius, um, we have about a, there's about 150,000 people who kind of live in that radius, in that sort of that area. Um, 150,000, many of which who don't know Jesus Christ, um, who haven't, don't really know the content of the Christian faith. Um, 150,000 people living in Adelaide. We can't probably reach all 150,000. Um, thankfully, there's a handful of other Bible-believing churches in that area. But we want to think about how can we play our part in reaching people with the good news of Jesus, growing our church uh, so that we can bring more glory to God. Um, so this week, some foundations. Next week, um, sort of some more specifics. Uh, and we're going to talk a bit about that as well, at that family meeting, which is scheduled for next week as well. Um, but let me pray and ask God to help us as we think about um, his mission tonight. Father, we thank you and praise you for all the good things you give us. We thank you for this opportunity tonight to think about you and your mission and who we are in you. Uh, Father, we pray that through your word and by your spirit, uh, you would change us to be more like Jesus, give us courage and confidence and assurance in the gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the screen, first slide, um, you'll see there, this is kind of what I've been thinking about, a bit of a vision statement for us here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, the big bit at the top is like our kind of vision statement. We seek to be a community of Jesus Christ, offering a centre of community for North Adelaide and beyond. We want to be a community of Jesus Christ, offering a centre for community for North Adelaide and beyond. That's what we want to do. And what's it going to look like? This is some thoughts. This means, I think, being a focal point of biblical truth, friendship, social care and action, diversity, creativity, intellect, church planting, events, health and fun, all grounded in a confident, well-articulated conviction about the Lord Jesus Christ. You should be able to remember that by the end of tonight, right? You know, no dramas. Um, just nail it. But that's what I think we, that's what I've been thinking about, that we want to be a community of Jesus Christ, 
offering a centre of community for North Adelaide and beyond. And, and as I've read the Word of God, as I've thought about it, that means not just being a church that fills people with more information, but a church that is really concerned for the, the body and the soul of ourselves, but also for those in that radius, those 150,000 people. And so we want to be not just people who proclaim the gospel, but live out the gospel in word and deed, in truth and action. That's who I hope we can be. And, and I mean, that's a broad list, right? And we're going to think a bit more about what that could all sort of look like down the track. But that's what I'm really thinking we can be. And there's a bunch of things that really inform thinking on these, this area. Um, one of them is this idea of, I'll tell you about this in a minute, social capital. Another one is the gospel and then community. So we're going to think about those. What's, what's informing this vision? What's behind this vision? First thing I'm going to tell you about social capital. And let me introduce you to a couple of people. Here's one coming up on the screen. This is Robert Putnam. Anyone know Robert? Robert Putnam is a political scientist. He works out of Harvard University in America. And, and he's known as um, America's leading intellectual. There you go. That's who he is. Um, he wrote this book, Bowling Alone, right? And he basically did a study of all of the US um, to sort of see what does it look like for people in the US, in America, to kind of live and get along and focus on community and all those sort of connections. Um, what he found was that years ago um, in America, Americans used to do community at bowling alleys, like 10-pin bowling. That's where they used to do community. They'd hang out there. But he's found over the course of time that now Americans are bowling alone. Uh, with the rise of individualism, with changes in community, people aren't really getting together anymore. Um, so that's Robert Putnam. And he's, the, sort of a, he's kind of the founder of this idea of social capital. Let me show you the next guy. This is, the next guy here is um, Andrew Lee. He's an Australian guy. Andrew Lee did his PhD under Robert Putnam at Harvard University. And, when, and part of his PhD was to kind of do what Robert Putnam did to America, and he did it to us, Australian people. That's what he did. And so he applied what Robert Putnam did in America to us and then wrote this book called Disconnected. And both scholars, right, so Putnam and Lee comment that the Christian community is a really powerful source of this thing called social capital. And social capital is this, it's the, the power that can come when a community bonds together, like a church community bonds together, and then with the power of that bonded community, then can bridge out into other parts of the community and draw people into itself. That's what social capital is, the power of the bonding of the community for the sake of bridging out into other communities. And both Lee and Putnam discovered in their research that the, the real drop in church attendance in both the US and Australia is directly connected with a loss of community, a loss of volunteering, and a loss of philanthropy, you know, giving generously to other organisations. Interestingly, both Lee and Putnam, they're not Christian people, uh, they don't follow the Lord Jesus. Um, Lee, in particular, describes himself as an atheist. Um, he's convinced of the writings of uh, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. It's kind of depressing that he's based his beliefs on those guys, but he claims to be an atheist. And yet, he comments that you know, his heroes, Dawkins and, and Hitchens, are all saying, you know, the Christian church is dangerous, you know, don't get involved in them, the, the 
we'd be better off without religion, we'd be better off without Christians and better off without churches. Lee actually says, no, like, although I think you're heroes, you've got it wrong. That actually, the research says exactly the opposite. Christian communities are a powerful source of social capital, a powerful kind of unit. And I think Lee and Putnam kind of basically endorse that vision to be a community of Jesus Christ for the sake of being a centre of community for North Adelaide and beyond. Two guys, not Christians, who sort of reinforce our vision. And the third person I want to introduce you to do is this. Um, This is Rebecca McLaughlin. This is the book. Who's bought this book, by the way? I've been flogging it, I think, for about three months now. It's called Confronting Christianity. Um, Rebecca McLaughlin, she's from the UK. She lives in uh, the States now. She married a guy from Cambridge. And she writes in her opening chapter uh, this question that, you know, one of the questions people say is, aren't we better off without religion? And emphatically, through great research, similar to the work that Putnam and Lee have done, um, she says, no, we're not better off without religion. In fact, Christianity is significantly important to the life of this world because ultimately it's all about the person who gives life to this world, the Lord Jesus Christ. So three people endorsing our vision. I'm kind of, and they're kind of much smarter than me. So I'm kind of like, let's, let's do this thing, right? Let's do this thing. But that's so social capital, the value of the gospel, powerful thing. But let's think about God's word together. And we're going to think about what it looks like to be a community of Jesus Christ through this passage we had read before, 1 John chapter 1 through to chapter 2, verse 2. So if you have it open in front of you, that'd be great. 1 John, turn it up if you can. 1 John, right, contains some of the most profound statements in all of the Bible about the love of God and the value of community and the beauty of fellowship. Um, Perhaps the most profound in the Bible, some of the most profound statements in the ancient world. Let me show you this one. It's on the screen. 1 John, chapter one, uh, 1 John chapter 3. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, that's the Apostle John's way of referring to Christians, to believers. Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. There are are heaps of texts like this through that short letter of 1 John that build this really impressive theology of love that should issue in communities of forgiveness, compassion, sympathy, pity, and mercy. John, the Apostle John, writes this letter, and in the backdrop are a bunch of false teachers. Um, The false teachers, they're kind of an interesting group of people promoting the idea that love doesn't actually matter very much against all human experience, right? As a result, these false teachers didn't believe, therefore, that Jesus mattered very much. They thought you could bypass Jesus and, and have direct knowledge of God. But the reality is, right, you remove Jesus, you remove the one who placed love at the very center of community, You remove the one who gave his life on a Roman cross to die for our sins as the the supreme example of love. So John's letter is written in part as a critique of the false teachers, and he does it by laying down the foundations of what it looks like to be a genuine Christian community, a community of Jesus Christ. And, well, 1 John in particular, chapter 1, 
lays this beautiful foundation. Just three points I want to bring out tonight as we think about what does it look like to be a foundation of Christian community. These are the foundations. Firstly, Christianity is not about ideas, it's about events. Secondly, Christianity is about sin, not ignorance. And Christianity is about atonement, not performance. And you're going, how on earth do they help us understand Christian community? They don't sound very community-ish. But let me show you, they, they are. Let me start with Christianity is not about ideas, it's about events. You see, the foundation of Christian faith And therefore, the foundation of our community here at North Adelaide is not a philosophy, it's not a rule book, it's it's not a collection of ideas. The foundation of the Christian faith is a series of events witnessed by many people, including the author of this letter. So you'll see this. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. He goes on. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The basis of Christian faith, the basis of our Christian community is a series of witnessed events. And this is a unique claim among the religions of the world. It makes Christianity stand out amongst the major faith systems or religious systems of the world. So Buddhism, for example, um, Buddhism relies on the insights of Sudhartha Gautama Buddha who received a revelation while he sat underneath the Bodhi tree. He was on his own. No one else was there. So you can believe the ideas, but you can't test whether or not they're true or not. Um, In Hinduism, right, the, the first man at the dawn of time received the Vedas, this sort of divine revelation. And again, he was, by definition, the first man at the dawn of time. No one else was there. You can believe the ideas, but you can't test them. And in Islam, Muhammad, we understand, was on his own and received the dictation of the heavenly Quran through the angel Gabriel, and he noted it down himself, but no one else was there. And so again, you can believe the ideas, but you cannot test them. You cannot test these revelations. But Christianity, right, it's, it's tangible, it's historical. Jesus was seen and he was heard and he was, he was touched. Jesus walked, he lived, he had dirt on his hands, he had blood on his hands, dirt on his feet, seen by many, thousands in fact, including the author of the letter. This is the basis of Christian fellowship. We have this community not because of a collection of ideas that we share, We have this community because of a series of events that took place in real time, real space, centered on the life, death, and resurrection of the real person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is the foundation of our community. Our community doesn't depend on on how you feel from one day to another. It doesn't depend on your political kind of set of ideals or persuasion. It doesn't, doesn't depend on your philosophical viewpoints. Our community is based on a a series of world-changing, life-altering events centred on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the living, the speaking, the dying, the, the rising, the ascending, the reigning, the ruling, and the returning. Fixed events, not ideas. This is the anchor of our fellowship here at City Light North Adelaide. The events of Jesus' life are the unchanging reality that binds us together as God's people. And what's the implication? Here's the implication. The implication is we therefore get together, we stay together because we're brought together by real events that demonstrate the love of God. What I love about this reality, right, that we're brought together not by ideas but events, right, it means you can have the weirdest bunch of people, the weirdest bunch of people coming together and going, you know what, we're a family, yeah? Not connected by blood, not connected by ideas of philosophy or politics, but the weirdest bunch of people. You should see my discipleship group. No, no, I love you all. I love you all. But, you know, people who otherwise would not come together are brought together, stay together because of the events of the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of anything else. Sometimes I look, I mean, I'm like an outlier in my discipleship group, right? Like, I'm a dinosaur. Like, I am ancient. Like, I sit there going, my goodness, was I like... No. Um, but No, I'm joking. But you know what I mean? Like, the weirdest groups of people come together. I mean, I'm looking at you right now. We come together, we stay together because of events, not about ideas, politics, or philosophy. That's a wonderful thing. Um, we come together because of real events that demonstrate the love of God. That's the first foundation. The second foundation is this. Christianity is about sin, not ignorance. Now, you might go, wow, that sounds like a really cheery second point, Simon. Um, But it's critical for the author, and it's really important for the life of us here at City Light North Adelaide. One of the subjects that's addressed in this letter, and in particular 1 John chapter 3, is that the false teachers were saying, you know what, sin doesn't really matter. Sin is rejection of God and his ways and wanting to be ruler of my own life. Sin doesn't actually matter. For them, what really matters was, you know, kind of ignorance about the divine being transformed by secret knowledge so that you can now know God. And therefore, they were saying, you know what, you don't have to worry about sin. You know, sin doesn't matter. And therefore, you don't really need to know it. You don't need to worry about Jesus dying for your sin. You know, as long as you just get this infusion of secret knowledge, this is Gnosticism, by the way, just this secret knowledge infused in you, that'll connect you to God and everything's going to be kind of cool. The trouble is, that's not true, right? It's not true. And John, the author of our letter, clearly states that. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, the importance he places on the, the themes of sin and darkness, he says this. Now, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. We're talking moral, moral categories there. He's, he's pure, he's beautiful, no, no, no blemish. And then he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, with God, yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from, I think it goes on, does it? Yeah, from sin. Um, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you catch it? Sin, 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 unrighteousness, sin, sin. Like, it's going on. Then he goes, verse 10. If we say we do not have any sin... 
We make him a liar and his word is not in us. This may not sound like very good news at all, but let me tell you, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I'll show you this in a minute. Christianity teaches us, it teaches the world that the main problem with humanity is not ignorance resolved through education, but sin resolved by the cleansing work of Christ. The human heart is the heart of the problem. And Jesus Christ, who is the revelation of God the Father, claimed that we're all sinners. And you can read that all the way through the Gospels. Jesus himself said that the problem with humanity, the problem with you and me, is the human heart. As surprising as it may sound, the doctrine of sin is one of the key foundations to the Christian faith. And therefore, it's a key to us understanding who we are as a community here at North Adelaide. How? Well, I want to put it to you this. If you genuinely believe that you are a sinner like everyone else, You suddenly have the basis for relationships of equality, compassion, sympathy, and love. No one puts it better, I think, than this British writer. This is Francis Spufford, who wrote this book. He was not always a Christian, became a Christian late in life. Um, he wrote this wonderful book, Unapologetic. You should read it if you can, you know. Oh, sorry, I don't make any money from the books I spruik, by the way. I just think there's some good books out there. Um, someone said, there's lots of books, just read the good ones. So I hopefully just point you to ones that I, I think are helpful. But listen to this. This is what Francis Spufford says in his book, that book. So of all things, Christianity isn't supposed to be about gathering up the good people, shiny, happy, squeaky, clean, and excluding the bad people, frightening, alien, repulsive, for the simple reason that there aren't any good people, not that can be securely designated as such. Again, of course, there are Christians like that. The religion can certainly slip into being a club or an affinity group or a wall against the world, but it isn't supposed to be. What it's supposed to be is a league of the guilty. Not all guilty of the same things or in the same way or to the same degree, but enough for us to recognise each other. Isn't that great? A league of the guilty. All guilty, not of the same thing, not to the same degree, not the same content, but enough for us to recognise each other. Yeah, brothers and sisters, when you know yourself to be a sinner, you can show equality, sympathy and love to everyone and to anyone who walks into this church, no matter what their background, no matter what their life experience Because we recognise in them what we know to be true of ourselves, a member of the League of the Guilty. And all of this is especially true when we turn to the last kind of foundation tonight, which is this, Christianity is about atonement, it's not about performance. How good is that? Let me show you. Not only do we think as Christians and here at City Light North Adelaide that all people, including ourselves, are sinners, We push it further to say that actually, you know what? Everyone is incapable of remedying themselves. No one can rescue themselves from their perilous situation. You can't remedy yourself through education. You can't rescue yourself through morality. We can't, I don't know, rescue ourselves through a better diet or an exercise regime. We can't certainly remedy ourselves through religious performance. Brothers and sisters, We know this pretty true. We cannot perform our way into the good books of God. It all comes down to the mercy of God in Jesus Christ 
as seen in the brilliant verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, that's beautiful, isn't it? If we confess, God forgives. He is faithful in that God will keep his promises. So God promises to forgive, he is faithful. But the question comes, how can a holy God, you know, who has no darkness in him, how can a holy God justly forgive sinners? Many of you will know the answer. It's in the next paragraph, chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. My little children, followers of Jesus, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. It's wonderful. It's forgiveness. And I hope here at City Light North Adelaide, both tonight and forever, until we see Jesus and enjoy him forever, that we never get sick, never get tired of the idea of being forgiven by God. Why? Because the reality of the gospel is that God, in his mercy and grace, has taken your sin and taken the judgment that you deserved for that sin, which was death, And he's placed it onto the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross 2,000 years ago. And the penalty that was due of our sin, our rebellion against God, our rejection of him has been completely paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way we access that work of Christ is through faith, through trusting in his work. We come to the cross, right, with empty hands. Not any good works. We simply throw ourselves onto the mercy and grace of God, trusting that Jesus has dealt with our sin and paid for our sin. What does that mean? It means that we're not a performance-based religion. We're not a performance-based church. It's all about Jesus. We are, I don't know, we're an atonement church. We're an atonement religion, which probably means we're not a religion at all, right? Um, Because Jesus did for us, did for me, what we cannot do for ourselves. We can't purify ourselves. We can't bear the burden of our own sin. We are desperately in need of someone to step in for us and take our place, and Jesus did that. And again, not to pick on the world religions tonight, it's not like, you know, let's bash Buddhism, let's crush Hinduism, but this is is counter to all the major world religions, right? This is what makes Christianity unique. The Buddha, in his famous Dharmapada, um, said, you have everything in you for your own purification. So he says this, by oneself is wrong done, by oneself one is defiled, by oneself one is cleansed, one cannot purify another. Purity and impurity are in oneself alone. He's saying, if you can just, it's in you, just purify yourself. Similarly, in the Quran, perhaps with an eye on the doctrine here of atonement, we see in two occasions, actually, in Surah 6, we see this, Every soul is accountable for what evil it commits, and no soul shall ever bear the burden of another soul. Both Buddhism and, and, and Islam are kind of saying virtually the same thing. Basically, this is it. You know, you've got it all in you. Yeah, yeah, you're not perfect, you're a bit evil, you're not right, but just 
Put in some hard work. Try really hard. Man up and you'll, you'll save yourself. But Christianity says you can man up, pardon the expression, you can man up all you like, but you're never going to please God. And he's the one we are all accountable to for he made us. Christ entered the world. He shed his blood for you that you might be forgiven. I know if you picked up in the text that that wonderful picture that we have painted for us that that God has given us an advocate. Um, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The word advocate there, it's a word picture. Uh, The Greek, it's the the word parakletos, which basically means defence lawyer. That's what it means. The reality of the gospel is we have a brilliant defence lawyer in the person of Jesus. Now remember here, John in his letter is talking in this beautiful theology, this great picture of how God loves you. So the image here is not, you know, God is really reluctant to save you and you need a really good defence lawyer to plead your case. That's not the picture. What the Bible is teaching here is that our legal status, if you're in Christ, you are fine. You're right with God. We've got the best defence in town. We've even got the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to secure our acquittal. That's why it's not only faithful for God to forgive, but just, because justice has been done in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus, in God himself. You know, I pray that as a church that we would never kind of, we'd never get sick of these foundational things as a church that we would know these kind of foundations, not just in our heads, not just in our hearts, but like deep in our bones, that we'd know these things, that the foundations, that our fellowship is not based on ideas, it's based on the events around the life of Jesus. That our community, our fellowship is, is we're on about sin. We know that we're forgiven sinners because of the third foundation, because of the atoning work of Jesus. Knowing those things, not just in your mind, your heart, but in your bones, changes so much. It allows us to relax, right? To to not feel like we have to put on a good show and be all performance-orientated. Frees us to thank God wholeheartedly. It allows us to sincerely love one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just think about this for a moment. Let's put this last point. If Christianity, if our Christian fellowship here at City Light North Adelaide was based on individual performance, right, then we'd have different categories of people in the church. So I'm thinking the back half of the church over here, you guys are the high achievers, right? You look great. You know, like you've got, you got the high achievers over here. We've got the, the failures down the front. No, no. But, and then you guys, you just, you're the also rounds, right? You neither awesome, neither, neither terrible. Like that's, so we'd end up with this performance-based thing. You know, we would have a hierarchy. You know, moralistic religion, if that's how we operated, that's the enemy of the gospel. That's the enemy of Christianity. It's the enemy of community. The foundation of, the, of community is atonement because each one of us in this room is on our knees at the foot of the cross desperately in need of the grace and mercy of God. Again, we bring nothing to the cross but our sin. When we look at our brothers and sisters in the eye, we should be able to recognise each other and go, yep, yeah, you're a sinner. You're a part of that league of the guilty that I'm part of as well. But praise the Lord 
for his forgiveness, his atoning work. We have a great advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here is three things, a a powerful recipe for bonding within a community to then launch us out in bridging into other communities in our area. And the Apostle John, what did he call it? Love. Just love. Modelled on Christ's love, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let me conclude. Wrap it up together and uh, then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. I might have talked about this guy before. Let me introduce you. This is, anyone recognise this guy? No. Uh, This is Richard Johnson. Uh, Richard Johnson was the first chaplain. Uh, He brought the gospel in many ways to the land of Australia. Um, So back with sort of the first fleet and that, he arrived on the 2nd of February, um, about 220, about 230 years ago or thereabouts. Um, He came out as a, a, I guess you'd call him a clergyman, um, a minister within the Church of England, and he came out with the gospel, and he, he came, up, came out partly to you know, establish the church here in Australia, but also as a man who was deeply involved in the, the bringing together, the establishment of a settlement. Um, he was known as one of the best farmers in the colony, and he was really generous to share the skills of farming with many a people. Um, he was a great friend of the indigenous people of Australia, um, befriended many. He called his first son, uh, born child uh, an Aboriginal name. Um, we know that Johnson also was a really good friend of John Newton, uh, the former slave trader who was well and truly involved in boats and ships and things like that. Um, obviously, John Newton became a Christian and then things changed for him. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. Um, John Newton was once speaking to Richard Johnson just before he set sail for this land. And uh, Newton said to him, um, at all costs, Richard Johnson, never go down amongst the people who are sick in that boat. Um, otherwise, you'll get, you know, you'll die, you'll not survive. Um, just don't do it. We, all, we know from history that Johnson ignored that advice and he was the first man down to visit any unwell sailor, to care for them, to love them, to minister to them. Remarkable. Uh, Listen to this official entry. This is in the Australian Dictionary of Biography, which everyone reads all the time, right? No. Um, This is about Johnson. Johnson soon became one of the busiest men in the colony. Apart from some help after 1791 from James Bame, chaplain to the New South Wales Corps, he carried out all the clerical duties of the colony for six years. He held services, either in the open air or in a storehouse, at Sydney and Parramatta, performed the occasional offices of the church, baptisms, marriages, churchings, burials, attended the execution of condemned men and worked hard among the convicts, goes on. One of them, one of the convicts, rode home amid the sickness and hunger of 1790 that, quote, few of the sick would recover if it was not for the kindness of the Reverend Mr Johnson, whose assistance out of his own stores makes him the physician both of soul and body. Wow. Isn't that remarkable? Uh, that description and all the other evidence we have of Richard Johnson is that's what evangelical Christians do. That's what Bible-believing Christians do. That's what City Light North Adelaide people do. They love all people. Empowered by the Spirit to live in the world to the glory of Christ. We don't play the moral policeman. Johnson was a gospel preacher and a friend to society. 
He was, I don't know, he was into social capital, right? Forming bonds within the community in order to bridge over into other communities. He was a physician of both the soul and the body. He was flawed. He was a deeply insecure man. He was a man who suffered from depression quite significantly. And yet, despite all those things, he was a man gripped by the grace of God, convinced of his own sin, certain that Christ had forgiven him on the cross on that day 2,000 years ago, and he lived a life thankful for the mercy of God, and it just oozed out of him. He was a, he was a Bible-believing Christian. He loved the soul of people. He loved the body of people and he didn't see a disconnect. He just loved people because of the love that God had shown him. Imagine what we could do together with the same gospel. Body and soul. Loving people. Loving that 150,000 people. Ten meet, I'm told everywhere in Adelaide you can get there in 20 minutes. You know, we're only talking 10 minutes, right? 10 minutes away from here. 150,000 people. What a great opportunity to love these people, body and soul, motivated and powered by the Spirit. The same heart of thankfulness, the same gospel, the same atoning work of Christ that cleanses all of us from sin. Wouldn't it be great, right? I don't know, if 10 years down the track, City Light, North Adelaide, we were known as the church that cares deeply for the well-being of people. Soul and body, not watering down the gospel, but because of the gospel, impacting thousands of people. That'd be great, wouldn't it? We seek to be a community of Jesus Christ, offering a centre of community for North Adelaide and beyond. What does it look like? I think it could look like being a focal point of biblical truth, friendship, social care and action, diversity, creativity, intellect, church planting, events, health and fun, all grounded in a confident, well-articulated conviction about the Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm convinced that we can all get on, on board with that. We can all find a place in that. How about I pray and ask God to do that for us? Let's pray. Lord God, uh, you know that we cannot put our trust in anything we do. We pray, Father, tonight you'd help us to have faith in you alone. Father, we just praise you again afresh tonight for the reality that our, our confidence in Christ is not based on ideas or philosophy or random thoughts, but, Father, events that are witnessed and testified to through history and in your word. Father, we thank you again tonight for your mercy and your grace that you would save and rescue sinners like us. And, Father, we recognise that we are all just beggars at the bottom of the cross with empty hands. And we thank you, Father, for the atoning work of your Son, that his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, was enough to bring us back to you. And so, Father, we thank you for faith in Jesus. Father, help us, we pray, to keep trusting Jesus. And, Father, we pray, knowing all these things, that you would thrust us out to perhaps, Father, reach some of these 150,000 people who live on our doorstep for your glory, their joy, and for the sake of eternal life, we pray. And Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.